Hey everybody, welcome to Lunch with BB&J. Hi. <laughs> I don't know why she doesn't like greeting everybody. I don't know why you stare at me like... Well, because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a good co-host and... I didn't know there was rules. Share the limelight. I'm move that back so we fit in here even better. There we go. All right. I have to say this. Isaac's all annoyed. He wants to know why his picture in the background doesn't show up. That one. Hey, you got it. Good job. I've been practicing. <laughs> been practicing. Mere image pointing. Uh, we think it's because he's a vampire. We're not sure, though. <laughs> that Oh, that's just for mirrors. They don't show up in the reflection of the mirror. Yeah, no. But it is a mirror image. <gasps> anyway, let's get to the Bible today. Okay. Acts chapter 6 is where we are. Day 5, Acts chapter 6. NIV. Uh, no, it's not. NLT. Uh, NLT. Sorry, 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 sorry. New Living Translation. And um, I, I ran home here to, to do this and forgot all my notes and stuff back at the church. So we're winging it. Joy's going to lead today. She got the heavy lifting. All right. <laughs> Verse 1. Uh, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, that's an exciting mm -hmm. description right there, isn't it? As the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. That's not very exciting, <laughs> is it? The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So, I just want, I wanted to pause here for a second, just because... You know, a lot of times people go, man, I wish I lived in the days of the early church. It was so perfect. Nothing bad God happened. was moving. There's miracles going on. We somehow overlook the fact that their leaders are getting arrested and whipped, <laughs> put in jail for preaching the gospel, and there's still rumblings of discontent. Mm -hmm. People are dropping dead for lying. <laughs> Remember that yesterday? Y'all still want to be part of the early church? Okay. Uh, but here there are. There are some rumblings of discontent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just goes to show there is no such thing as a perfect church. There's an old saying that says, uh, if you think if you found a perfect church, you need to leave because you're going to wreck it. Mm -hmm. um, there is no such thing as a perfect church. Uh, we are all sinners in the process of being sanctified, which means becoming like Jesus, but we're not quite there yet. And so therefore we have, uh, we oftentimes there are rumblings of discontent. And so this is what's happening in the early church. So the 12, the 12 apostles, verse 2, called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Mm -hmm. So a couple things here. Number one, um, this is not because the apostles thought that the food program was beneath them. Right. Okay, let's get that off the table right now. It is not that they thought they were better than everybody else. It was simply this idea that they only there's a limited number of hours in a day. Mm -hmm. And this was a great need because if I can dive into a little bit of the, the social context of what was going on, we always talk about persecution in the early church as being, 
you know, there's violence against the early church. And that was true. That actually came a little later on, even though we saw um, Peter and John being whipped in, in the last chapter. They were flogged for preaching the gospel, put in jail. And so, and, and we're going to see Stephen here in a minute get arrested as well. And so there was absolutely physical persecution that was going on. But one of the first forms of persecution in the early church was actually social. It was a social persecution because there was such this explosion of uh, the church and Christians, and it was just turning everything upside down. It was this massive movement, not only in the religious world, but also in the social world, in the culture, that what started happening is because there was such a push against the early church that a lot of people started cutting them off. They didn't want to do business with them and, and different things like that. And so... We kind of see that uh, that's a part of the reason that if you wonder, man, why were these Christians so poor? Mm -hmm. You know, if you notice that in the first chapter is like, man, everybody was selling what they had to give to the those and there was none needy among them. Why? Why was there such a great need? It was because socially they were being rejected. They were being ostracized um, uh, in, in, in public and in, in the social context. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of what's happening. And so this was a huge need. There's a huge need here of distributing food to make sure that people in the church, what a lot of people don't know is that a lot of the, um, a lot of the things that we look to the government for today actually right. started in the church. Right. So things like food banks, right? We all know food banks and we all, all see that in today's context. This is the first illustration of a food bank and it started in the church. Mm -hmm. Hospitals started in the church. Universities, higher education started in the church. All A lot of these measures were birthed out of the church and you see it a little later on that it was actually the government going, man, the church is getting way too much influence. Mm -hmm. We need to start doing some of these things too. And they started doing other these uh, some of these other things so that people would stop going to the church mm -hmm. and looking to the church for help. It makes sense that these things were birthed, birthed there because it's God's heart. It's that's God's, God's heart. heart. Yeah. He tells us in his word that, that that's his heart. Absolutely. So Jesus always talked about that. And so here the church was again picking up the mantle of Jesus' ministry mm -hmm. and continuing that work. <clears throat> so it was a great need. So it's not that the apostles thought, this is beneath us. We're, we're, we're to do better things, bigger things than this. And it was not that they didn't deem it unimportant. In mm -hmm. fact, they saw it as very important, mm -hmm. but not their calling. Right. It was not what they had been called to do. There's a difference. There is a huge difference. And this is actually the picture of the church today. Yeah. Um, and so as, as a pastor, I can sit here and tell you that part of what my calling is, part of my purpose is to pray, seek direction for the church and, and, uh, and, and, and families in our church to pray for you and to be there and to counsel all those things. And then of course, to preach the word, to, to get up on a Sunday and, and to study the scriptures, which takes hours, you know, it's not, uh, it's, 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 you know, I, I typically spend 10 to 12 hours a week getting a Sunday message together. And so it's very similar to this, that if we're going to do some of these other vital ministries that people in the church need to step up and step out and walk in their giftings. And, and that's what was happening yeah. here. It was really the first example that we have uh, in writing of volunteerism. Delegating leadership. It is the dream team being formed in the early church, that delegation of responsibilities yeah. so that, and if you look there, it says... Uh, we we need to do this so that 
the the word of God can go forth. They can they can continue to grow because what happens is if you know everything works fine for a while, but then as things get bigger, it becomes yeah. more complicated and bigger. It's like anything, you know. I think about us having a kids. Yeah, we yeah. have five kids, and honestly, I can't do it all myself. And so what happens is you have to start delegating to the older ones. Mm -hmm. Hey, you got to help with this. Is some people look probably look at the, our family and and don't like that, but I wouldn't. I couldn't make it. I don't yeah. have one kid. I have five. So yeah. I need help. She's outnumbered. <laughs> all right. When I'm at work, she's outnumbered five to one. All right. And so it, it but it is. We always tell people, we joke about it with people that are like, oh my goodness, you got five kids. Or like it gets easier after three. Three is the hard one because you're outnumbered for the first time. They're all still pretty young. Yeah. You're outnumbered now three to two. And so when all three of them are, are doing something, you know, you can only, you only got so many arms. But then once you'd make that transition yeah. into four and five. If I was then doing everything, it two, wouldn't yeah. work. One and two help with four and five. And so it works that way. But this is what's happening in the church is it's really that first call. And it's the importance of, you know, it's always that thing of they understood the importance of mm -hmm. there needs to be this feeding program and it's not being run right. Mm -hmm. Well, the reason for that is the apostles are being overwhelmed with people that want to know about Jesus. Yeah. And so their time is being split and nothing is going to go well. And we're reading every chapter that their their numbers are added to. Their numbers are adding rapidly constantly. Growing. It started, yeah, it's rapidly multiplying. And this is when the discontent comes in because all of a sudden with, with bigger growth, mm -hmm. all of a sudden people feel like they're not being taken care of. Yeah. And so this is, this is a, a huge thing in the church, I think, still today. And I, I remember reading a book years ago um, by Bill Hybels. Bill Hybels wrote a book and it was called um, Holy Discontent. And it was this idea of, you know, the church is filled with rumblings of discontent because people see holes or they see needs that that the church should be providing or things that the church should be doing. And he wrote this book and it was called Holy Discontent. And it says, whatever that thing is that you see, whatever that need is, it could possibly be that that is your holy discontent. In other words, it is a good thing. It is a God thing. Mm -hmm. And the reason you're discontented about it is because maybe God is calling you to fill in that hole, yeah. all right? And so rather than always looking to the leaders to, to do it or the same people to do everything, maybe God is calling you to fill in that hole. And yeah. so this is a, a this is the picture that we're getting mm -hmm. here in the church right now. I just read that and it just reminded me that you're going to have conflict in your life. Mm -hmm. It's inevitable. And you're going to even have conflict within the church. And it just also shows me the importance of wisdom yeah. because what could have happened is these guys didn't have wisdom. They didn't ask the Holy Spirit what they should do and they could have made a really bad decision and hurt a lot of people. Yeah. So it's, um, it's like, it's just so important wisdom in our own lives, wisdom within the church, but you take it and you, in the personal side of it and you say, okay, God, there's going to be conflict within my home. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's going to happen. And so that prayer to say, okay, how do I hear what's being said to me? Because they did. They had to hear what yeah. the problem was. How do I hear and respond in a way that's going to be wise mm -hmm. and benefit? And then not only that, but like verse 7, I don't even know if we've gotten there or not, but it says that uh, the message continued to spread and increase. Mm -hmm. The message couldn't continue to in increase if they didn't have wisdom to make the right choices. That's it, yeah. So... And it's the right it's it's the right person for the right job yeah. too. So if you notice, they sit, they go to the church and they go, "Listen, 
we understand that there's a hole. We know that there's a gap there. Mm -hmm. And so this is what we need you guys to do. We need you to help us mm -hmm. help us fill that gap. Yeah. Like look around the church and who could fill this hole that's there. But then look at the criteria. It says we need to find seven men who are well respected. All right. It needs to be somebody that everybody will look up to, people that are well-respected and, and that. It needs to be men that are, are full of the Spirit, somebody that's full of the Spirit, and wisdom. Mm -hmm. This is the three-part criteria, mm -hmm. is it needs to be somebody that's well-respected, somebody that's full of the Spirit, and somebody that has wisdom. And so they said, go out and select, and from there, we'll pick it up. In verse 5, it says, everyone liked this idea. They chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, I don't know if I'm pronouncing these right, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. Mm -hmm. And then verse 7 that Joy just referenced says, So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we see is that when the church starts, when everybody in the church starts to fulfill their role, mm -hmm. the church continues to grow. It continues to move forward. Yeah. I remember the church we were at before we came to Bolton, uh, talking to the pastor one time, and he remembered praying early on in the church, early on in his pastoring of the church. And the church was only about 60 people when he took over. But he remembered praying one time and God, God told him, I'll never give you more than you can handle. And so it was this constant thing where we were always trying to stay ahead mm -hmm. because if, if not everybody's stepping up, then what happens is the church stalls. Right. And so not only in the ministry of what you can do within the church that already exists, but in your reach beyond to, to gain more believers in Jesus. And so it, it really shows the absolute importance of people getting involved in the local church. I know there's some people that have been watching every day that don't even attend Connect Church. That's awesome. We're glad you guys are with us. But it just shows the importance, again, of being involved in your local yeah. church. Wherever you call home, yeah. man, get in, get plugged in. Um, um, even during this time, you may think there's not a lot to do. There's a ton to do right now, okay? So uh, get involved. The church is not on pause, <laughs> all right? Um, and so let's continue. Verse 8. We talk about now it begins to focus on Stephen as we go forward over the next couple chapters, all right? Stephen who we just learned was a man full of faith. Uh, it says, as a man full of God's grace and power, performed many amazing miracles and signs among the people. Now, I thought this was interesting because Stephen was selected as one of the men mm -hmm. to run the food ministry. Mm -hmm. But they said, we want guys that are well-respected, full of the spirit and wise. Mm -hmm. And then here we switch over. We're, we're just continue on in the story. It's going forward. And this just goes to show that sometimes we can look at different ministries in the church and go, well, man, that one's not important. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm not, if I can't be up on the platform, then this is not an important ministry. And yet we see here, this is a guy that was involved in the food ministry. I didn't see that. That's powerful. <laughs> He's involved in the food ministry. All right. But then look what God begins to use him in. As it says, he begins full of God's grace and power. He performed many amazing miracles and signs among yeah. the people. 
That's powerful. All right, get involved. But one day... I'll preach. You save that for a later message. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves... So this is a group of people that were uh, Jewish slaves in Rome that had been set free. They came here and they started their own church or started their own synagogue. All right, church, synagogue, interchangeable there. Um, so that's who they are. They're a group of freed slaves from Rome. As it, as it was called... Uh, let me start that again. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, I got to get my punctuations right, started to debate with him. There were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, Cilicia, I was going to say Sicily, and I'm like, that's not Sicily, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. Mm -hmm. The dude that ran the food ministry, mm -hmm. all right? The dude that ran the food ministry, he starts going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. These, these, these people from the, this other church start coming in, and they start trying to um, call them down. Again, there's a lot of jealousy, as we saw in the last chapter. These guys start trying to come toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, and it says they couldn't stand against the wisdom mm -hmm. and the spirit that was coming from Stephen when mm -hmm. he spoke. I just thought that was awesome. They cannot listen. When you are full of the Holy Spirit and you begin to speak and, and you know, we want to go into debate. We think if we just read enough books and we watch enough YouTube videos and we listen to enough things that, that we're going to have all the wisdom we need to go against our enemies or to go against those that, that want to fight against the word of God and fight against truth. But what you really need, all those things are important, all right? Uh, invest in, in, not invest, that's the wrong word. Invest, yeah. Invest is a good one, Joy yeah. says. All right, so invest in your education mm -hmm. in the Word of God, okay? Gain knowledge. Get in there. Dig in the Word. Get as much knowledge as you possibly can, but never underestimate right. the power of the Holy Spirit when it right. comes to sharing your faith with people um, that don't believe. That's okay? what speaks. That's what speaks, and that's what, yeah, that's it. Verse 11, so they persuaded, because they couldn't go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him, because they couldn't change anybody's minds, it says they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people and the elders and the teachers of religious law, so they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. Now, just so you so you know... This accusation of speaking against the Holy Temple was the same accusation they made against Jesus. Hmm. If you read that in Matthew, I think it's in Matthew 26. Um, if you go there, that's one of the things. They bring Jesus before the leaders and they say, this guy says that he can tear down the whole oh, okay. temple and rebuild it in three days. Okay. So he was speaking against the temple because they didn't understand he was talking about himself. Right. All right. That wow. he, you're going to tear down this temple and I'm going to rebuild it in three days. Temple, he's talking about I am the temple. I am the temple. Yeah. But here they come at Stephen and go, he's talking about tearing down the temple. It was that they figured... We got Jesus killed with this argument. Maybe we can get rid of Stephen too. Mm -hmm. So they get somebody to come in and lie about him. In verse 14, and we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. And then look at verse 15. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he was angry and he started glowing mad or if it was just what I, no, that's not, that's just a joke. All right. What was happening and talk about a cliffhanger. That's the end of the chapter. 
That's all we got to say today, all right? That's the end of the chapter. It's a cliffhanger. The Bible has cliffhangers. What that is, is that what you're about to see is the Holy Spirit is mm -hmm. just boiling up inside of Stephen, mm -hmm. and this boy is about to preach. Mm -hmm. He's but, about to preach. So what I saw was cool, and, the, and I found this from the commentary, but it's so cool because we read that and just think, oh, that's cool. You know, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. That's cool. Mm -hmm. But if you go back to Exodus 34, uh, Moses' yeah. face, Sean, Sean, when he came down from the mountain and he was given the instruction. And what's funny is, I mean, I just think these are little nuggets that kind of are almost comical, yeah. honestly. But it's that he he's getting accused of blaspheming Moses yeah. <laughs> and God. And to me, these are the people who knew their Old Testament. Again, mm -hmm. they knew the Old Testament. Yeah. They knew that Moses' face shone bright and and it was from him being with God. Mm -hmm. And I just think, like, that's not a coincidence. No. Like, that's cool. And so they would have recognized he's had an experience with God just like Moses did. Yeah. So it would testify that he didn't know he, what he was talking about, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think those are cool things. Absolutely. Absolutely cool things. And it also shows, once again, the whole Bible yeah. goes together. It ties together. It all ties together. He is the same yesterday, today, yeah. and forever. All right? So if you ever see me preaching on a Sunday and my face just starts glowing, <laughs> you'll know, oh, man, we're about to hear something. All right? Listen, guys, it's a short chapter today, so that's all uh, all we have there. I'm going to let Joy close, out us, close us out in prayer. And then we'll let you get back to your day. All right, Jesus, we come to you today and we come to you as a body. We come to you as your body. Yes, and Jesus. yes, we're watching this on a video. And yes, we're in our homes or we're taking our lunch break at work or we're separated a little bit in that way, God. But our spirits are not separated. We come together as a body. And God, we're just uh, we're just in this prayer and fasting time as a church and as individuals just to seek your face and ask you to speak to us, reveal yourself to us. God, we have um, so many things, so many needs, and I know, God, that you're hearing them. I know, God, that you're intervening and yes, that you Jesus. listen to us and you hear our prayers. And so, God, we're just joined together, and I thank you for Connect Church. I thank you for the people who are listening even beyond Connect Church. And God, we just pray as we read this um, this particular chapter, I just pray, God, that you would give us wisdom, just yes, continual God. wisdom, and that our lives, just like Stephen's life, looked different. It was so different, and people couldn't argue with it. They tried, but God, you had a purpose and a plan, and we're going to see that play out in the next chapter. Yes. But God, I just pray that you'd give us, the church, individuals, wisdom, God, wisdom in our callings, wisdom in what you've called us to yes. do. God, help us not to get distracted by disputes or conflicts or arguments, but God, help us to stay the course. Help yes. us to stay in what you've called us to do and help us to be wise in everything that you've called us to. Jesus, I just continue to pray for the church, all the needs, God, that are represented and we just give it to you. And Jesus, we love you and we praise you. Amen. Amen. Amen, guys. Thank you so much for being with us again today. just want to encourage you. You know, we are in day five of the fast, uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting as Connect Church. Um, and I just want to encourage you, if you haven't yet participated in some way, don't feel like you can't jump in now. All right, as I 
said at the beginning of the fast to our church, and um, as I say every year, it doesn't have to be the complete 21 days. It, it might be just, you know, maybe there's something you're believing God for, you've been praying for, and, and you'd say, you know what, I just, I, I just really want to push in. Maybe just over the weekend. You know, maybe start tonight at, at, at dinner and go till Sunday night at dinner. You know, just take these three days and just begin to fast and pray. Take those times where you would normally sit down and eat and prepare a meal to just sit in the presence of God, to read his word, to press in in prayer and just begin to seek God. So uh, just for those of you that are pushing on, continuing on, keep going. All right. For those of you that haven't started yet and you're you're wondering if you can, do it. I just encourage you to step out in faith. Uh, I know sometimes you go, well, I don't think I can fast because of different whatever reasons. Go to our website, all right? Look at the fasting page. There's different types of fasts that you can do. I firmly believe everyone can participate somehow, some way, even if it's just one meal a day where you say instead of eating lunch, instead of eating breakfast, instead of eating dinner, it should be a meal you normally eat. So if you don't normally eat breakfast, that's not fasting, all right? Um, Whatever it, whatever it is, but maybe it's just skipping a meal and saying, I'm gonna spend this time with God. But I'd encourage you to do it, take part in it. It's a powerful, powerful time uh, with God. So that's it, guys. That's my spiel. That's what I got. That's lunch with PB&J. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.